Okay, I'm with Rob. Robin M. Gee, What's Bread in the Bone? Blood and Bone. Uh, it's a dance film played at the Experimental Dance Film Festival. Really interesting dance film. Obviously, it's more than that. And I, I won't give it justice, Robin. So can you explain what this uh, this dance film is about to, sure. to everybody? Sure. It's, oh, Jesus. It's about... It's, I don't know if there is an exact about. I would say that it is inspired by okay, that's about um, it, some yeah. historic events as they relate to um, sort of African-American history and trajectory. Um, it is sort of rooted in and inspired by the writings of Ida B. Wells, um, looking at her documentation of the lynchings of African-Americans in a particular period. Historically, she was, Ida B. Wells was a journalist educator, pedagogue, and writer. Um, and I was asked to make a film actually to highlight the suffragette movement, strangely enough, um, as we were celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and all these good stuff. And I just found it really problematic. And I've always been really interested in Ida B. Wells and her writing and, uh, and to be a part of this, uh, to participate in this programming, sort of your work had to be rooted in that. And so I sort of was interested in problematizing the suffragette movement and its uh, interactions with African-American women and looking at it as really the catalyst for the civil rights movement. Um, and a lot of that happened through Ida B. Wells. A lot of black feminists consider her you know, the the mother of, of Black feminism and the mother of the um, civil rights movement, largely because, you know, a lot of the women involved in that movement, and a lot of people don't even know that there were some really important players in the movement that were of African descent, that they largely couldn't separate the issues regarding Black people in general with just those of Black women. Um, and so looking into Ida B. Wells and, and kind of playing. And then I just stumbled on the red record and it became this sort of root source for me. Um, and these notions of, of blood memory and body memory and how those things play out in us today. So I was looking at this trajectory and how it kind of impacts us, but it all started in this one particular place. So you're so uh, to paraphrase a little bit is that you, so your program at your university was celebrating the suffragette movement you found it problematic uh, in the in the participation of Black women. So you wrote a grant, and then you you received the grant money to make this film. Yes, exactly okay. that. Gotcha. Exactly. So they knew that there was something. There was some missing pieces involved, and and that's what you kind of wrote in your in your grant. Exactly, and so that they were excited actually because you know I work in the academy, so you know they 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 like to believe that they embrace the messiness so they thought it was pretty relevant to look at uh some of the issues with that although we were celebrating this movement and not to deny the the movement itself and and the progress and work that these women had done as a woman of african descent my work is generally rooted and looks at our experiences that's interesting to me as an artist yeah. um giving voice to those experiences you know, because if I don't do it, like, who's gonna? <laughs> so um, I generally tend to work that way. And so I wrote this grant and they seemed to be interested in it. We we got it and we started out, the, the film was actually called The Red Record uh, originally. 
because we started with those writings and that's what took us into the studio. That's what, so that's what the movement is based on sort of looking at th this writing and my, the way my process is kind of working with dancers. We did a lot of writing and prompting and then we made material off those prompts. And then I shaped that yeah. in my own crazy way. Is it this weird? We live in a weird time and uh, I'll try to be positive, but it seems like people want to put an eraser to a lot of historical facts <laughs> <laughs> and uh, happenings, and spin, spin, yeah. especially uh, this particular woman that you're talking about, right, I Ida Bell Wells. Mm -hmm. So it's important mm -hmm. for for people like yourself to make sure history is 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 key is still there, is still and still is still vital. People in the new generation knows who these people are, knows what happened, et cetera, et cetera. I guess, right? Exactly, exactly, right. And for me, you know, uh, you know, the adage that history is written by the victors. Well, I consider myself a victor to a certain degree. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell stories. I'm interested in storytelling and in, in this sort of, you know, abstract embodied way, the way that body tells stories without words, but also, yeah, keeping these histories alive, right? That it's really important, particularly, as you said, at this moment in history, when the, when there's an overt, covert, you know, an overt attempt to erase these histories. And as long as I'm a body moving in a particular way, you know, I feel like it's that's that's my work to keep those histories alive and to tell those stories in whatever way I know how. And I'm just a little choreographer, dance filmmaker, you know, highlighting brown bodies in the stories of people of the diaspora and making sure that, you know, they're not erased. Actually. Yeah. So so you have you made so you made dance films previously to this film? Yes, I have. OK. So you so tell me about this particular film then. So um, did you what about just curious, like just from a practical standpoint, the music yeah. was the music already established before you started shooting? No, I rarely work with um, prefabricated movement. So I work with a composer He's a really good friend of mine. He's like my I call him my son from another mother. Uh, he has composed a lot of work for me. So brilliantly. I mean, I just love this sweet young man um he we've worked together for like 20 years he i've known him since he was like uh, in music school um and he writes for me so he's always a part of my process so he you know i hire him but he comes in because he also is an accompanist so he knows how dancers and choreographers work he's just composed a lot of music for me for live performance as well and he was part of our process so he comes in and he watches how we work he is privy to, you know, in my kind of product pre-pro craziness, he's on the listserv of everything. So he sees all of our writing. He comes in and watches how we're building. We talk a lot about, you know, my treatment and what my ideas are. And then, yeah, he composed for this piece of me. He actually composed like four pieces of music for me. We only end up using one because of the way that we ended up working with my editor. But uh, yeah, there's four pieces of music that he constructed for this. And what? And during the filming, what are the dan What are the dancers dancing to? Are they dancing? Ooh, to that's interesting. No, they're not dancing to this. So this is all of his music is post production. That's what I'm saying. So what are they when they're during filming? Are Ooh, they dancing to anything? Like on this film, I have to think back because it's been a minute. On this 
film, we had music in the rehearsal process, but it could be anything. I mean, it could anything be anything from Robert Glasper to Jay-Z. Like you just never know what we're doing because the music isn't inspiring the material, the words are. Music is just in the room for us because it kind of is a way for us to play. It will inform phrasing and tempo um, and timing and things sometimes, but not, but not really. Sometimes there's silence, sometimes there's text. Sometimes I, I speak, I might read, I, I did a, maybe a couple days in rehearsal where I'm, they might be reading the words of the text or something that we've written. I might, I might be doing some spoken word in the space. So the sound in the space in rehearsal and in, per, I feel like there was nothing on set actually. Yeah. Yeah, there was no music on set. There might've been some, um, there might've been me speaking some of the words, whatever, I was reading poetry, I might be reading some random poetry. I was in a Jackie Kay, this this Scottish uh, poet at the time, I might've been reading that, I don't know. But yeah, the music, particularly for me in dance film, yeah, how where I start with music in terms of the composition of the work and where it lands at the end are usually two completely different things. So let's talk about the location. Where Where is this exactly shot? Uh, uh, there are two, there are three. I had always wanted, because of the nature of her writing and the, the nature of this idea of, 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 you know, Black bodies in these external spaces and, you know, really research lynching and the process of lynching, which was really sort of depressing and weird. But um, I wanted three unique spaces to identify these three characters, but also to kind of identify identify um, uh, where we were in space. So two of them are historic, and one of them is just um, you know what I call a, a distressed space. So two of them are historic locations here in in Greensboro. Greensboro has a really rich history in relationship to the civil rights movement. Like we're right here where the Woolworth building is. We have four historically black colleges here. Um, a lot of work in the civil rights movement, it has its, its origins here. So I uh, thought that it would be interesting to use some of these locations. Um, and so there's just locations that are unique to uh, North Carolina in general and Greensboro in particular, but into in terms of this movement as well. And then, so you have three dancers, um, the the gentleman who's like in the interior, but they kind of all meet up on the- On, on the roof. On the roof, yeah. yeah. So where did you, where have you worked with these three dancers before? Or where did you, or where did you find them? Oh my God. So, uh, no, they're my friends. <laughs> well, they're um, fantastic, so. Uh, no, they're my colleagues. So uh, two of the dancers are professors here um, at UNC and one was a grad student who's now a professor somewhere else. And it's really interesting because they have all have really unique movement styles, but like, I really, I, I love them as movers. So I get to see them move every day. I get to see them. I take their classes. I know how they move. I know how they work. I've been in their work in terms of live performance. So I'd worked with them before, but for this film, I was really, originally we were going to have students. I, the, the, I had like the, the project really morphed over time and I had other colleagues and it just wasn't going in the direction that I wanted it to. And I kind of let it go for a while, even though I got the grant, I just sat on it and then COVID happened. So I had a, I had a reason to sort of sit on it. And then I kind of, by the time we were able to actually shoot and I'd done all my locations, some of the people that were originally attached to the project had to bow out and people were out of the country. And so these 
dancers were always going to be a part of it, but it was going to be a larger cast. Um, and I'm so glad that I didn't do that. So I've worked with them. Um, you know, Eli, the guy with the locks is a hip hop dancer, actually freaking amazing. Um, the, the guy in the interior is a jazz dancer and Clarice is a contemporary dancer. That's amazing. And then, so yeah. and then it was uh, Kevin Wells who did, the, or Kevin Wells was your cinematographer, but you did the, yes. the choreography? I did the, dire I directed and choreographed and produced it. Gotcha. And then, yeah. and so, and then you just shot it, like, did you shoot it in one day? Uh, no, we shot it in, which I feel so bad. Um, they, they have to be my friends. They love me. It was like a million degrees. And we shot it in, it took three days. Okay. To shoot, Yeah. Um, really for, I tend to shoot just randomly on locations to make sure like my lighting is right in the time. I knew that I, I kind of had this feeling of an arc of a day, almost like a day in the life. And I knew that I wanted, I knew that I wanted the, 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 this sort of ensemble to come together kind of at magic hour. Like I had this feeling about being on that roof and yeah, the, the roof. time of day I wanted that to be, that was like the clearest thing that I had in my head. And so I did a lot of shooting in and around and making sure the locations would kind of work for me, playing with different lenses and seeing what kind of feel I wanted for. So I did like a day of that with just me and Kevin. And I actually had two, uh, I had an A cam and a B cam. Um, I did that for like a day, and a half and then i had the dancers for another two days yeah gotcha gotcha because i was because i was gonna like generally the, the dancers only have so much in them right they can't do it over and over and over again because they they're gonna they're gonna pass out <laughs> so. well yes <laughs> and it's a million degrees but yeah, also yeah, you know exactly. the idea of screen dance is that you you it, it is very filmic and so dancers have to learn how to not imagine it to be a real-time concert piece. It's not live dance. And so it's very much like shooting a narrative film. It's like lots of takes. Um, and you kind of have to prepare for that. So I try to prepare dancers since I've done this a couple times now. And I tend to shoot on location. I've probably only done one or two films inside. I like like the landscape as a character in filmmaking it. It's fun for me. Um, I tend to talk them through the process a good bit because most of them, you know, now they're getting more accustomed to it, but they kind of think what you make in rehearsal, you're just going to go shoot it. It's going to be one take and that's it. Like you have to sort of prepare them and how to, how to build stamina over the course of the day. And then I, as a director, have to kind of work around that. So I'm moving around it requires I'm pretty organized because I have to move around in the locations to give them time to kind of recruit. I tend to have fun sets, so I'm really into making sure that they're taken care of and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. And they were like five, six hour shoot days. Yeah. So it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So I'm curious, you, you, something about your the blog interview got really intrigued because we, we always ask people when they realized they wanted to make films and you kind of said, I never really decided. And you said that you were studying film theory and you were, but you were a dancer in New York city, I guess. Right. While mm -hmm. you were studying film mm -hmm. theory. Yeah. How was that experience? You're, so you're studying, you're doing <laughs> dancing. So why are you, I'm just curious. Cause that's a whole job. That's a whole. Job. I don't, I was dancing for fun. So I kind of, I, I don't know. I was, um I was studying film, th film theory. I, it's just, I'm like a random weird person. I My first undergrad was actually pre-law. I was like a double science. Anyway, I was thinking, <laughs> I couldn't decide in law and medicine. I was trying to be a grown up. And then I just like 
quit that and moved to New York because I loved film. And I was at NYU studying film and I didn't want to make film. I just wanted to, I really wanted to write about it. I thought film criticism, like at some point I wanted to be a film, New York Times film critic, but I was just dancing because I've always danced. Like I just didn't take, you know, I'm in this new place about, about creativity and art as sustenance. It felt like a luxury to me, dance. So I was always dancing. I'd always been in companies, I'd always worked, but I didn't take it seriously as a career. Not really until right before I grew up. You're dancing in New York City. You must have been pretty, pretty good. So well, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't take it seriously, like as a career trajectory. It didn't occur to me until, until a little bit later. And then I left film because I was so focused on performance. Like I was dancing with a lot of companies and I honestly just couldn't do them both. And I kind of chose dance because it was weird. I loved film, but joy, my real joy was in, in dancing. And then I was like, I'll do this for a while. And I go back to film school, I'll finish it up. Like I had a semester left before I could graduate. And I was like, I'm just gonna keep dancing. So I was doing the two of them, but they didn't intersect until like almost 20 years later. So they were just two separate entities. And I was also working in film as a day job. I was like, you know, an, an APA or PA on film sets, uh, like for money and working with these companies and trying to go to school. And I ended up leaving all of that because it just interfered with dance. And I realized mm -hmm. I wanted to dance more. So then so I'd you, stop you said you, had, uh, you were doing a film uh, dance uh, residency in Canada and then you filmed- Yes. That's when I, I mean, I had all, it's just, I had always been filming though. Like I'd always been, you know, I do a lot of work in Africa and I was doing these like mini documentaries just cause, I don't know. It's just was always this thing that was there. And then I went, I had my job and so I had to create a research trajectory and I was doing this stuff, which I was now trying to connect my film work with my dance work. So I was doing all of these sort of like conservation preservation uh, films in West Africa, looking at these sort of ritual dance performances and how they were like evolving over time. And that was going to be like my research material. And then I just randomly, my school said, oh, we got this extra money. And my, my grad TA at the time, she's like, Robin, I did this thing in Canada and it was totally dope. You should do it. You should go. And they gave me the money to go. It was called Dance on Film with Ellen Bromberg. And it just, it, it's in Victoria, it was in Victoria, British Columbia. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and she changed my life. She's my mentor to this day. She changed my life. It was the first time I discovered dance and film, like with intent, with intentionality. And it just changed my trajectory and literally changed my life. And so now, now you you landed in uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, I've been here for a while. And you're doing like you're in the, you're in the you're in school you're in the the university. I'm just curious. Yeah, I teach at the University of North Carolina Greensboro, and we have a pretty large uh, dance program. So I was brought here in 2003 to create a curriculum and sort of this work I've been doing in African and African art aesthetics, and I was creating this African curriculum that I developed over time. And then I started doing the film work in like 2008, and things just started shifting. So I still like I'm starting work next week. I teach African and I teach these sort of gen ed courses on African and music and dance, aesthetic and theory. But then I teach now, like I created a certificate program in um, screen dance. I teach a lot of like dance and technology. Amazing. I didn't, even know that was a thing. I didn't even know that was that people were doing that. Oh, it's huge. And since COVID, everybody's like, it's like blown up this, but like, 
So I learned a lot in over the years and this screen dance has existed. You know that the, the, the development of the camera and moving bodies have always been working parallel since its inception, right? Yeah. Like there's always been a moving body to kind of uh, navigate the world of, 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 of moving photographs. And so this isn't new, but people's discovery and passion for it is. And so it's a big thing. So the people like, in the dance world right now. People in all these dance from my from my point of view, mm -hmm. all these people in these dance uh, companies, right? Like all over the world, like Denmark, Sweden, every all the world, COVID happens and there's they they can't do anything. So you know what they do? They make dance movies. They exactly. And all these dance movies get made, and there are some of them are amazing, right? Exactly. And, and then these people are like, well, I this is documented forever. I love this. And then they get the bug and then they want to make more dance movies. Exactly, exactly. And, and and which is which is really interesting for me as somebody who had been living in this for a while, but yeah. like helping people to understand that it's also not neither dance nor film, but it is its own unique entity. It is this amazing hybrid form. And if you use it to tell stories or if you use it to as a creative outlet that is unique in and of itself, right? It isn't a way to document dance at all. Right. It isn't a way to oh, entertain no. film, but it's this new it's not new, but this this new language that if you understand it appropriately, if you understand how to use the edit to create, you know, viscerality in, in the in the frame, yeah. then you can really play with a new way of making and saying and doing. And that's what's interesting. Yeah. It's that's basically what's interesting. in layman's terms, what you're saying is that. You just you don't make a dance film to see people dancing. You, you got to tell a story. There's got to be an arc. There's got to be a journey, right? Emotional. Connection. Exactly, and emotional. And you do that through lots of different things. Of you know, in some ways, I love it because it. You know, on this film, uh, the cinematographer uh, Kevin Wells is a is a, a media person, and we make them crazy because we break all the rules. Like I break all the rules of framing uh, often, and not all of them, but often because that's what dance needs for in order to have this new language right we don't follow the same rules to the letter the way you do cinematically all the time we use the edit differently like i can you know i borrow from cinematic language but i'm also able to kind of play with that language to forward story in a new way because the we need to be able to create that that viscerality the the the, the energy of live performance through shot construction and edit, right? You yeah. don't want to watch a flat, flat, wide shot yeah. of a dance. It's so freaking boring, right? It's so a cinematic how do we... experience. Exactly. It has to be a cinematic experience. And what's the beauty of that cinematic experience is a, it's a dancing, moving body. And if you can pull the audience into that and create a new perspective, you're doing something. And so, the, so like I said, for my porch, basically people didn't get it because they're just like, oh, I'm just going to do this dance film. It was, there was nothing there, right? Some good dancing, right, exactly. but there wasn't a story. And then the ones, there were some really smart people who just got it. Like they, they yeah. understood cinema and then they're making more dance films and they're, they're just getting better every time they're and doing better. it. Yeah, exactly. And so, literally you can do it with your phone. Well, yeah, I guess, but yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> well, that, that's my new thing because I just got a new Black Magic camera, and I'm like, actually, you can't do this with your phone. Yeah. I mean, I, and we don't we don't use phones at all. We actually use DSLRs, and so that's me. I've got to teach all that crap, and we're in editing suites and all this good stuff. So yeah, that's it, amazing. It that. I love yeah. that so much. It's because it's like I think that there's 
it's gonna it's gonna start tapping into more in the mainstream and like i think some of these some of these like including yours it's like yours is an emotional journey we don't know what we're feeling and like we're mm-hmm. feeling something because if we don't read the synopsis we're just we're just feeling your your mm-hmm. dance film there's something going on right and it's like and we don't like it's almost like we don't even understand what's happening but it's like it, there's mm-hmm. a there's a feeling that mm-hmm. that you're, you're doing in your film so one, I like to see what you, what you did before, because I know you've made a few of them. I want to see what you've done in the past, because I, I love this one. I think it's fantastic. Oh, and for someone who's seen, sees a lot of dance films. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and I and I'm curious, and you're just gonna keep. You have a great career. Like like your career is is so interesting. It's like you're a professional dancer, and then you do documentary mm-hmm. films, and then you're now you're now you're an educator, and you still do. Now you now you're you're in this new medium. You're teaching mm-hmm. dance mm-hmm. in this new medium. It's like. You got us. You've had a journey so far, and you're probably just only halfway there. Well, thank you, because I was really starting to question all my life choices this week. As <laughs> I get ready to go back to work, I'm like, yeah. but only the smart ones do that, right? Like you're always <laughs> got a question, right? Right, right, right. Something's wrong, right? Right, exactly. If you're you're sedentary about it. Well, I, congratulations on this film. I love to talk to you, to you again on your next film, and uh, yeah, thank it's, you. It's really great. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this. And anybody would want to talk to me about one of my little films, it's kind of funny. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hassenbeck Incorporated.